It is Monday, September 11th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The first Sunday of the NFL season in the books. And Monday Night Football wraps up with an AFC East battle. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Week one, not a great week for rookie quarterbacks. Not a great Sunday for offenses in general. And that's the Vegas lead, AJ. We're going to start with the first Sunday of the NFL season. And yeah, let's start with the rookie quarterbacks. The number one overall pick, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Anthony Richardson on display yesterday. And what we saw was 0-3, not just straight up, but also ATS. Yeah, and, and I guess we'll start with Carolina, where the Falcons 24-10 winners over the Panthers. And, and Bryce Young had some some decent moments, but overall he looked a little bit overmatched. And part of it was offensive line was was troublesome. He was under under a lot of pressure, only sacked twice which I would have gone over, mm. uh, given a guess. Uh, but a 14-6 QBR. And really, you saw the, the big difference was, I mean, the, the Falcons did such a good job running the ball that it took all the pressure off their young quarterback. Oh, absolutely. And Desmond Ritter didn't have to do much in this game, but an efficient 15 of 18 passing, 115 yards and a touchdown. Both Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson had double-digit carries with Algiers getting into the end zone twice. Bijan did score his first NFL touchdown on a reception where he made the defense look stupid, AJ. This kid is going to. He's already the favorite for offensive rookie of the year. I don't know who, who beats him. Because he's going to have a special season for Atlanta. Well, none, none of the quarterbacks look like they, <laughs> uh, at least through one week, none of the quarterbacks look like they're going to push him. So you may be on to something. Yeah, and Bryce Young now continues the trend of first overall picks losing in week one. No quarterback picked number one overall has won their first start week one of the NFL season since David Carr for the Houston Texans 2002. A long time. 2003. It was 2002, that, yeah. That, that's just wild. And I gave the stat out on the Dream Pod because picking Atlanta was one of my selections. And I said, well, we're going to just fade the rookie, the number one overall pick. Because if you go back to 1993 in Drew Bledsoe, 11 top overall picks started week one. Those quarterbacks won 9-1, and one, now 1-10-1. and one. That tie was Kyler Murray against the Lions in 2019. And those 11 quarterbacks had thrown 16 touchdowns and 22 interceptions. And now let's make those 12 quarterbacks for 17 touchdowns and 24 interceptions with Bryce Young's touchdown and two picks yesterday. Yeah, and uh, the the rest of the rookies didn't fare any better. The Houston Texans fall twenty five to nine, unable to take advantage of a pretty rough day for Lamar Jackson. The Ravens didn't have good quarterback play. I, really, the Ravens didn't have good offense. Period, and it had some terrible injury luck happen in this game. Uh, we'll get to that as well. But C.J. Stroud just. Uh, 
struggled. Uh, he was on his back for a lot of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, 242 yards at the end of the day doesn't look bad, but it, it just felt like picking up first downs. It was it was bad on third downs. Uh, he did have the fumble. It, it was just a it was a rough day, a rough go at the office. Texans don't find the end zone against the Ravens. And, and every time he got sacked, it was like he was losing 10 yards in a pop. Yep. I mean, 46 yards on five sacks. That's that is a stat, that's a that's a ridiculous number. You're just you're putting your team in terrible positions if you're trying to elude the pass rush, but you keep dropping backwards and you're losing big chunks. Like step up into the pocket, get sacked for a one yard loss. Like that's how that's how you do it in the pros. Yeah. You don't try to roll out, run away from the pass rush, and get pulled down for a seven, eight, nine yard loss. Uh, you mentioned Lamar Jackson struggles, only ran the ball six times, thirty eight yards, seventeen of twenty two passing, no touchdowns. Did throw an interception. He was sacked four times, and the injury news bad as J.K. Dobbins for the second time in the past three years is going to miss the entire season. Yeah, totally. remember he had the injury that in the last game of the preseason a couple of years ago yep. he was out for the whole year and now uh what is it a torn Achilles right torn Achilles mm-hmm. yeah and it was I, I didn't it didn't the play didn't look like it was that big of a deal and he actually got up and started walking by himself the Clay Thompson special it can't be a coincidence all these torn Achilles after a year after the torn ACL Kevin Durant also did the same thing yeah, and you make a good point. It's uh, it's something about maybe the way you compensate, your body compensates for for trying to uh, take pressure off of that knee. But, yeah, bummer for uh, for J.K. Dobbins. So Ravens will have to go forward, I'm guessing, with Gus Edwards and, mm-hmm. and uh, Justice Hill uh, for the rest of the season. Or maybe make a trade for Jonathan Taylor. Maybe so. You know, some, some, again, injuries happen, Although, and people pick up the phone. Speaking of the Indianapolis Colts, uh, they may want to hold on to Jonathan Taylor. They could have used him yesterday as – the run game, uh, not a strength for the Indianapolis Colts. Anthony Richardson in his rookie debut, 24 of 37, 223 yards, a touchdown and a pick, sacked four times. Uh, he, he did run 10 times for 40 yards and a touchdown. That was about where the offense ended for mm-hmm. the Colts because they had 16 other carries, for 25 yards, nothing from their running backs. Deion Jackson, 13 carries for 14 yards as the quote-unquote lead back. Uh, but his leading stat was the two fumbles that he had. It was a nightmare day for the Colts running game. And this, I mean, this game was not uh, – the final score is a 10-point win for the Jags. Colts were right in this game, and every time they had a chance to to put themselves in front or to, to put this game away – they would lay the football on the ground. Just a, a, a bad night of offense for the Cole, or bad day of offense. And it makes you wonder how different would it have been had Jonathan Taylor been on the scene. Yeah, but you also, I mean, we talk about turnovers being luck, right? And the Colts did score a touchdown off of a fumble return. So, you know, they, they only scored two offensive touchdowns. And, yes, would have been yeah. different if they had Jonathan Taylor healthy and and running like an elite running back? Yeah, probably. But then again, if, uh, if, the, if the Jaguars hold on to the football, it's a different game as well. From the Jaguars' perspective, can we talk about Calvin Ridley? He's good. You want to talk about betting on yourself? <laughs> yeah, I said it. Uh, Calvin Ridley, eight catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. He looked quick. He was. Gr- he, he had some uh, great routes. He good after the catch. Very impressive. That dude is going to be a stud this year. Yeah, and wide open in the end zone for an easy touchdown as well. So uh, another weapon added in. But Zay Jones had the best catch of the day probably. He did. Of of anybody. But, uh, yeah, this was a – Trevor Lawrence has another weapon added to the arsenal. He looked good in in week one. Uh, Wasn't wasn't great, but Mm -hmm. 
he looked a lot better than most of the quarterbacks around the league did, certainly. So now since 2017, rookies in their first start in week one, if they're starting week one, one nine and one straight up, three seven and one ATS. Wow. That's fade the rookies, huh? One win in 11 games. Fade the rookies. Uh, how about first year starters in general? Because let's talk about Sam Howell for the Washington Commanders. All the talk was about how good Howell looked in the preseason and how bad. The Arizona Cardinals are going to be without a quarterback. Josh Dobbs, a guy who they traded for a little over a week and a half ago. Yeah. He is the starter. He goes 21 of 30, 132 yards, does not find the end zone, does not turn the ball over either. And the Cardinals stay close to the Washington Commanders? How? Well, a defensive touchdown certainly helps. Uh, this was just an ugly, grimy game. And this is kind of what we talked about on the Dream Preview. I, I Directionally, I hate the Cardinals. I, I think they are – I don't think they've got any motivation to win. I think they're a, a disaster team. But I also think the Commanders are, are like one of the five worst teams in the league too. Mm. So it's really hard to lay a big number – with a really bad team, no matter who they're playing, because that team is going to do bonehead things. We saw Sam Howell do some bonehead things, balls flying around, and uh, yeah, the Cardinals turn it into a touchdown. That's a when when you when you turn a fumble into a, into six points, it's an easy way to cover in an ugly game like this. Boy, Washington had the football after uh, the Cardinals turned the ball over, and there was like four minutes left in the game. They, they started the possession at the twenty-two yard line, and I'm thinking. We got the backdoor cover, baby. They're going to punch into the end zone here. You know, I got I got Brian Robinson in fantasy. I'm thinking I'm going to get more points out of him. And they really just – they four plays and they settle for a field goal. And, yeah. and they, they win 20-16. to 16. I, I mean, thought, remember I they thought start, we had the backdoor. They started the fourth quarter losing the football game. Yeah, yeah, Which, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you told me the, the Cardinals, if you said how many fourth quarter leads will they have this season, I would have said oh, maybe three on the whole season. Well, they've already had one. <laughs> Uh, they can't hold on to it, obviously. But, yeah, it, this is a, maybe a, a little bit of a disheartening game for for Washington fans because, obviously, mm-hmm. Sam Howell, another one of these guys who played really well in the preseason, uh, much like Kenny Pickett, who I guess we'll get to here shortly, uh, and everybody's saying, oh, if he takes a step, this team could be dangerous. Well, Sam Howell, if he's going to take a step, it wasn't in game one. That might be a theme for week one. Preseason did not seem to matter. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It means nothing. Yeah, we talk about the quarterbacks that didn't play in the preseason and their performances that in, might in matter. week one. Well, only for like two of the guys. Like It, it stung for Lamar Jackson and Joe yeah. Burrow, yeah, but everyone sure. else was okay. Uh, Sam Howell finishes his stat line 19 of 31, 202 yards passing, a touchdown and a pick. And you're right, A.J. Washington goes from a team that – a lot of people survived with. Yeah, they were punting away. I had them in Survivor in my contest. They were punting down six. ESPN said they had a 72% chance to lose to the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, I couldn't believe it. They survived. Anybody who picked them in Survivor, no surprise, the Commanders, the top selection in Circa Survivor, 3,549 selections on the Commanders, 38.3% of the pool selected the commanders and they survived not they also survived with the ravens 2985 the second most selection will get to the third most selection which eliminated 11 percent of the field coming up in just a moment but another first year starter jordan love quite the opposite of sam howell as jordan love looked great and the packers looked like a team that everyone 
should not underestimate just because of the transition from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Yeah, I, I went through at the end of the day yesterday, and I was putting together notes on the teams that I and, and I want to. I'm curious to talk to Fez about this, but the teams that I think my power rating on would have had to change the most in Week One, and the San Francisco 49ers are high on that list. Uh, I, I would say the Dallas Cowboys are high on that list. And I, I think you have to put them right there. I, I think you have to say the Green Bay Packers deserve to be on that list. A dominant performance in a game that they were dogs in. And, it, I mean, they never even looked like they should have been on the like in a discussion in the same category as the Chicago Bears. How, what's how what's that line if you make it tomorrow, if they play the same teams? Packers, Packers minus two? Packers no, minus three two and, and a half, half, three and a half. Three and a half three, in I'd, Chicago? I don't know if it'll be more than three. But I mean, it, these teams had the same win total, same division that's odds. That's what I was going to say. How did they the have the same win total? They don't anymore. <laughs> they don't anymore. It, right? it, it's it's very embarrassing. The Bears are, I think, going to be a, a bad football team once again. And Justin Fields, he'll, he'll run the football. People are going to be excited about his running ability. But his, I, I do not think that he is long for the NFL well, as, a, as a quarterback. And listen, this this defense isn't good enough for for Justin Fields. But AJ, Fields. they brought in all these new players. Yeah, they, they added really important guys like linebackers. That'll fix everything right away. Snap. How's Matt Eberflus doing as a head coach? Yeah, not not such a great start for yeah, him. Yeah, three I, wins last year. I don't know how. We talk about, RJ did on the Dream Preview, there's like a woke tax for quarterbacks that the woke community just wants to do well. How are they supposed to win five more games? Where was it coming from? Like, was he really that good at the end of the season? Where like, now he's an average quarterback. Now he's a good quarterback. Uh, wasn't true. Are they favored in any other game? The rest no, they of the were favored against the Buccaneers. Now they're three point dogs. They do play the NFC South, so they'll probably be favorites uh, versus the Panthers and hosting the Falcons. All right, we're going to get into plenty of uh, line moves as we do a week two look ahead, but let's continue here looking at week one Sunday in the NFL. And, you know, we talked about guys that did not play in the preseason and how it would translate to week one. Joe Burrow, who seems to struggle in week one year after year because of the lack of a training camp due to either injuries or the COVID season and now another injury, this this training camp. He was terrible yesterday. Worst game of his career, easily. Terrible. 14 of 31, 82 yards, uh, 20.4 QBR. And it trickled down as well. Like the running game wasn't good. Joe Mixon was it was a, had an inefficient day, and uh, Jamar Chase's stat line is very un Jamar Chase like. T Higgins. Rain, it was rainy, crappy weather, so maybe that plays into it a little bit. Uh, you know what? Deshaun Watson was playing in the same rainy, crappy weather yeah. with, with lesser weapons. T Higgins eight targets, zero catches. Mm. That's wow. that's not good. Brandon Ayuk, eight targets, eight catches. <laughs> yeah, opposite ends of the spectrum, certainly. Yeah, so Joe Burrow struggles once again. The Browns beating the Bengals 24-3, and that was uh, one of the teaser legs that we all liked here on the show. The this y- is the thing. I've never cashed a teaser where I shouldn't have just parlayed the two sides. It seems like if you always do, if you win, you just win so comfortably. Yeah. You didn't need the points anyway. Well, the other teaser uh, part for me did not go oh, okay. well. Mine was the Ravens got there, but yeah, was well, Congratulations. <laughs> I'm rub, guessing, rub, I'm guessing yours was the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Mine was the Pittsburgh oh, Steelers. Okay. That wasn't very uh, close. Let's so. jump into that game. You mentioned of- Brandon Ayuk, a perfect eight for eight. Brock Purdy uh, looked great. <laughs> the, the UCL didn't appear to be a problem for him. 19 of 29 passing, not a great 
great uh, completion percentage, but 220 yards, two touchdowns, both to Brandon Ayuk, who has eight catches for 129 yards. Christian McCaffrey just continues to do what he does. 22 carries, 152 yards, including the 65-yarder for the score. And, and the San Francisco's defense just looked they, they look incredible. This, the 49ers are a Super Bowl contender, and if you doubted it at all, week one on the road in Pittsburgh, shut up. Yeah, this is you have to change any perception you had about the 49ers being somehow this ultra-vulnerable team. And I still get that they, they're very uh, injury-sensitive but because they're top-heavy. But, but and I say they're top-heavy, but they're, unlike the Rams or a team like that, they're top-heavy, but they also have balance. Like, they're, they're good everywhere. Uh, and, and Brock Purdy, the idea that Brock Purdy, who's now six and oh, I think as a starter in the NFL, this is, this guy is still getting better. And I went into this game thinking, man, like with Brock Purdy coming off a major injury, it wouldn't shock me if Kenny Pickett were the better quarterback in this game. And it, I mean, it couldn't have been further from reality. Kenny Pickett looked like he'd never played an NFL game before. And, uh, this wouldn't was. This wasn't like a slow burn. This was obvious and apparent right away. Mm-hmm. The 49ers were not playing around, and the Steelers had no chance of competing in this game. Mackenzie, I mean, a lot of people that were negative on the 49ers preseason, I feel like the only reason was because of the uncertainty of Brock Purdy's health. After one week, all questions answered. All questions <laughs> have been answered. Actually, no. As impressed as, as Brock Party was, he did get sacked by T.J. Watt, and he looked like a Lilliputian compared to the guy. He's not a big guy. If we don't have a right tackle that can stand up against the best rushers in the league, I'm very – a lot of plays look like the play that knocked him out of the season last year. Mm. Too many plays. I'm sure that'll be something that they think about. But was it, it was nice to see him get hit, though, and get True. hit and, and come back. Right guy. Get, yeah. Bounces up. That's the thing with the NFL. You, you got to get hit. You got to get hit to get in game shape, and you can only get hit so many times in preseason if you even play in the preseason. Nice to see him get up, and get hit, get up, and continue and play play a very strong game. So we mentioned the stats. Steelers 5-for-5 five five with their starters, scoring touchdowns to start this game. Five possessions, one pick, four punts, no first downs. It was 223 yards to one with two minutes to go in the, in the first half. This wasn't actually as close as a 23-point lead, we'll tell you. But the Steelers scored on all their possessions in the preseason. They did do that. <laughs> it's a fact. Uh, well, the 49ers uh, get to play for first place in the NFC West next week as they take on um, Kyle Shanahan's son, Sean McVay, uh, who he has dominated historically since being in San Francisco. But the, the, the Rams come out in week one and look like the Super Bowl season Rams. Yeah, no Cooper Cup, no problem. This is this is what I said about Matt Stafford. A healthy Matt Stafford could be a real difference maker for this team. And obviously it'd, it'd help a lot if Cooper Cup was out there. But Matt Stafford was slinging the ball around. He looked right. Uh, Aaron Donald looked right. And they got some they got some uh, contributions from guys like Puka Nakua and Van Jefferson, who they probably weren't expecting a lot. Tutu Atwell, not expecting a lot from, who came up big for him. Yeah, Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua, 119 yards each. Nakua becomes the fourth player in NFL history to have 10 catches and over 100 yards in his first career game. No one had done it since, uh, oh, I guess, Kiki Cutie did it in uh, 2018, Anquan Bolden in 2003 as well so he had an incredible game Stafford threw for 334 yards and the running game man 
They established it, especially down in the red zone. Kyron Williams rushing for two scores. Cam Akers also a rushing score as well. Seattle, meanwhile, did not look good. Kenneth Walker, only he had 64 yards. He was all right. No contribution from Zach Charbonnet running the football. Geno Smith looked like Jets Geno Smith. Yeah. And, and you know, where was where was Tyler Lock, you know, uh Tyler Lockett with the big plays? Well, Tyler down Lockett the field. got banged up for a while in that game. I, I don't where know was what he did. DK Metcalf is. with the big yeah. shots down the field. Yeah, it was just it, this it looked like Jackson Smith and Jigba playing, right? Everyone's excited about that. Geno Smith, the guy who said, I'm keeping all these receipts, like uh, okay, you be, be careful about that. Mm-hmm. IRS is out the door. Yeah, <laughs> Geno Smith suddenly, like you said, looking like the, the Geno Smith of old. So, and this is a, a Seattle team that I kind of had some, some – my expectations were a little lower than I think some other people in our offices, uh, mostly because I didn't trust Geno Smith to do what he did again. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Geno Smith is this version of Geno Smith – they're going to have a real hard time cashing any of these Seattle over tickets. To start last year, the Rams were 10.5, their win total. The Seahawks were 5.5. If you fell asleep for 365 days, this is the game you expected to see. This is a Super yep. Bowl contender versus a rebuilding team in the Seahawks. Yep, makes sense. Uh, well, a Super Bowl contender from last year that everyone said was just a luck box might have shown some flaws in week one. The Vikings were the third highest selection in Circa Survivor, and they are eliminated. <laughs> the Bucks, Baker Mayfield, going into Minnesota and beating the Vikings 20-17, to a game that, McKenzie, can correct me on this, was the biggest line move in week one as the Vikings were six-point favorites down to four, I believe it came Yeah, off. and a lot of movement even on game day from five to four by close. Yeah, so heavy movement, heavy action coming in on the Bucks. Baker Mayfield, 173 passing yards, two touchdowns. Kirk Cousins threw for 344 yards, two scores as well. He threw an interception. Justin Jefferson, nine catches, 150 yards. But the Vikings couldn't pull it out. This is one of those games where, and the Vikings were on the the right side of these games a lot last yes, year. Yes, winning all those low-scoring games, if you uh, look, one-score games. If yes. you look statistically and you say, okay, let's look at the, the stats in this game. Total yards, 369 to 242. Yards per play, Vikings 5.9, Bucks 3.6. Uh, it boils down to turnovers and penalties. And uh, three turnovers for the Vikings, none for the Bucks. Six penalties, 45 yards for the Vikings, three for 19 for Tampa, and this is one of those games that that Minnesota, we talked about them being lucky a lot last year. This is a game that last year's Vikings would have won, and everybody would have said, ah, man, they scraped by in this one. Uh, Nerves of steel. In in this game, they outperformed the Bucs and walk away with an L. So this is the the other side of that coin. Yeah, you know, they had the football down 2017 with over five minutes left. They go three and out, and then they never got the ball back. There were four minutes left in the game. The Bucks held the ball, their four-minute offense. They held it for the entire remainder of the game. Minnesota never got a chance to get back on the field and do anything. So they take an L, losing 20-17, to 17, and 11% of Circus Survivor has been eliminated. eliminated.
The Saints took on the Titans in Nolens, and Derek Carr threw for over 300 yards. And I believe it's pronounced New Orleans. Gotcha. I think I got this correct. I'm, I'm pretty sure about this one. Carr picks up his first win as a Saint. 305 passing yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Jamal Williams filling in as the lead running back for Alvin Kamara, who is suspended. He rushed for 45 yards. Chris Olave, stud, 112 yards on eight catches. It wasn't a pretty game by all means, but the Saints were able to pull it out, get a victory, winning against the Titans 16-15. I think the Titans are going to have to have a real conversation because if you're going to have Ryan Tannehill play like a rookie, you might as well play <laughs> one of the rookies. Like you, you might as well see what you've got in – you know, in in one of these young guys mm -hmm. who is sitting over there on the sideline, and Ryan Tannehill couldn't have been worse. This looked like a massive regression from from what we saw at the beginning of last year. Even three interceptions. There was a point in this game where DeAndre Hopkins had the same amount of receptions as tackles. <laughs> <laughs> so he had two apiece, two tackles, two receptions. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, no touchdowns, three picks, and on a day where quarterbacking was was really bad. He may have been the worst of all the quarterbacks in the league. He's, he's at least in that conversation. By QBR, only Daniel Jones was worse on Sunday. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, not a good day for, for Danny Dimes. Although I will say for Tannehill, one of those interceptions, the Marcus Lattimore one where he jumped right over uh, New Hopkins, that was ridiculous. Nice yeah. Like, like, if you're Ryan Tannehill and you're throwing like a 50-50 ball up to DeAndre Hopkins, it's really not a 50-50 ball. It's more like a 60-40 ball. Yeah. But Lattimore made an incredible play on that. There's also one play in this game that was like a 10-point swing, arguably, yes. where uh, the, the Titans ran a ball back, looked like maybe it was a fumble. They run it back, but the, the refs blow it dead, blow it dead, say, nope, it was a forward pass, cannot be returned. Okay, two couple things about this. One, there's no way that that was a forward pass. Right. Okay? No. Correct. It was clearly a fumble. 1A, part at 1A of this conversation. The refs, the NFL needs to mandate this to all officials. Do not ever blow the play dead because every turnover is automatically reviewed. You can always fix it. Don't ever. I'm sick and tired. Now they wound up, and that's part two of this conversation. I'll get there. They wound up confirming the call in the field that it wasn't an incomplete pass. Maybe a little bit of a CYA, cover your ass <laughs> call. But had this been ruled a fumble, and hey, a clear and obvious recovery by the Titans, yeah, no shit. They ran it back for a touchdown. Don't, don't ever blow the play dead. You can always review it, let it play out, because if they never blew that whistle, I'm telling you right now, when they review that, they say the call yeah. stands. It is a fumble return for a touchdown, not an incomplete pass. But they had to cover themselves, so they ruled, eh, a little too close to call. It's not obvious. So we're going to say the call in the field, not confirmed, but stands as an incomplete pass. Yeah. No way that was incomplete. Yeah, and no way. in a game where the Titans lose by one, uh, you could say it was pretty impactful. Yep, uh, very, very impactful. Derrick Henry had a nice catch and run, too. That was a, uh, a fun fun little play for them. Uh, elsewhere, we have the Raiders at the Broncos. Speaking of Derrick Carr, his former team, led by Jimmy Garoppolo. At this point, McKenzie, do we just call him like Jimmy Covers? Jimmy wins, covers, wins on the road, underdog. 
as an underdog in his career, and this is, you know, I gave out the Raiders. I love the Raiders. Uh, it was on our contest selection, yep. right, AJ? The Raiders. We were all over our hometown Raiders. In his career as an underdog, Jimmy Garoppolo is now 16 and 7 straight up, 18 and 5 against the spread. All I do is win, 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 <laughs> no matter what. Now, it wasn't like a, a, a blowout. It wasn't a game that the Raiders were running away from it. But still, my main part of this handicap was if there's a quarterback that I trust in this game, honestly, it's Jimmy Garoppolo over Russell Wilson. And I, I think that still holds true. What do you guys feel? Yeah, uh, Russell Wilson played uh, a better game than he played most of last season. Like, this was an above-average game for him last season, so he wasn't bad. But you're right. Jimmy Garoppolo looked like the better quarterback on the field yesterday. And for a team that didn't have a lot in the running game, uh, I, you know, Josh Jacobs was back, but certainly didn't look like Josh Jacobs of last season. I was impressed with what the uh, with what the Raiders did. What about for the Broncos? They try to start the game with the onside kick. Oh, that so close. Gets called back through the penalties. So Sean Payton trying to start the season off with a bang. Um, they they, you know, fell behind early. Were able to come back. They did miss the extra point, which winds up coming back to hurt them as they lose by one. Um, but that's, you know, they score a touchdown also on, what, the final play of the first half yeah. pretty much. And, and I'm telling you, the Raiders, as long as they are healthy and it's early in the season, and at some point, I mean, McKenzie knows this better than anybody, at some point Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be hurt this season <laughs> and things will probably fall apart for them. But while they're healthy, the Raiders aren't a bad football team. They're, they're not one of the worst teams in the league as they're currently constructed right now. Uh, and they could be even be better with Chandler, Chandler Jones on the field. But I will say this, watching this Raiders team, Max Crosby gets held literally every yeah, play. he's good. He is an absolute monster. And they could, they could throw a flag. It's like, it's, maybe it's a tough comparison, but I was like, I was thinking back to when I was in Houston covering prime J.J. Watt, and they were, it was constant, he was constantly being mm -hmm. held. I thought you were going to say Shaq in the paint. It's foul every time. <laughs> but if they wanted to, they could have thrown a flag every time. That's how it looked yesterday for Max Crosby. He was just having his way with the Broncos front. Yeah, and uh, he's he's a beast. And I think the Raiders, they're, they're going to go over their win total this year. That was a low number. That was a disrespectful number. It was. It was way too close to the Houston Texans. Yeah. Didn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. does not make sense. Uh, something that also doesn't make sense is uh, Jalen Hurts not dominating in a football game. Um, we talked about Joe Burrow struggling. We talked about Lamar Jackson struggling. Jalen Hurts also, all three quarterbacks, Hurts, Burrow, and Jackson, scored less fantasy points yesterday than, than they did in any game in the 2023 season. That is season. a stat. Just so you know about fantasy perspective. Hurts finishes 22 of 33 passing for just 170 yards and one touchdown. He did rush for 37 yards. Eagles get the win and the cover against the Patriots 25 to 20. Pretty lucky to do so, though. Mac Jones threw for 316 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. So he seems to be liking having an offensive coordinator, AJ. Yeah, and I will say, having watched this game, Mac Jones probably a lot better in fantasy than he was in real life yesterday, but he did put up some good numbers, gave them a chance. Uh, just some bad bad throws at bad times for Mac Jones that would kill drives. Well, yeah, the, the pick six was the big one. It's the it's the first quarter. You're down three nothing, and then all of a sudden you, you look. You know things are looking okay. You're get what was there was like the thirty yard line, and it winds up being a, a seventy yard ten house point call. swing. Yep, that's a ten point swing right there, right, Mac? Yeah. 
So that changes the game completely. Well, yeah, the, the Patriots had a chance to to not only cover this game but to win this game. Uh, the the Eagles. I, it's hard to say, it's hard to know for sure. Was this more of the Eagles playing really poorly or the Patriots playing better than than we expected? And I actually had the Patriots as one of my picks on the pod this week. Uh, full disclosure: RJ and I crossfired. Mm. I lost. But watching this game, I certainly feel like Eagles probably underperformed most people's expectations or Patriots outperformed most people's. I don't know which it is, which there's more of. Which of these teams do you adjust more, Patriots up or Eagles down? I still, I still don't adjust the Eagles down because I think it's like week one, Jalen Hurts didn't play in the preseason. And so I feel like this New play caller. like a preseason for the Eagles. Okay. So I don't adjust the Eagles. Maybe I tick up the Patriots offense a little bit. You know, like Mac Jones did did throw the ball well. Yeah. And and the play calling seems to be opened up a little bit. So maybe you adjust the pats, but I, I still think it's I still think they're a fourth place team in their division. And Zeke Elliott fumble on his first touch yeah. as a Patriot. Yeah. Uh, but his hair was cut though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Uh Bill Belichick doesn't he doesn't take kindly to fumbling and he mm. replaces running backs in a hurry. So yeah. you may want to think about that, Zeke. Well, uh two quarterbacks that played really well yesterday. Miami and the Chargers. The Dolphins win 36-34 in a very entertaining game there in LA. Tua throws for 466 yards, three touchdowns, one interception as he threw. I mentioned the 466 yards, the fourth most passing yards in an NFL season opener ever. Yeah. Ever. 466. The most? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, ben Roethlisberger. Five, Dan Marino. 554 by Norm Van Brock oh, in 1951. Good. good guess on Marino. 473 yards in 1994. So he was one of the three ahead of him? Yeah. Okay. Tom Brady, the other one, 517 in 2011. But yeah, Tua had a monster game. Uh, Tyreek Hill is just unguardable. 215 yards on 11 catches and two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle had 78 yards. And for the Chargers, you know, Herbs was fine. 228 yards, a touchdown, did not throw a pick. 23 of 33. Austin Eckler had a monster day with a couple of long with a couple of long runs. He had a, a nice catch and run as well. It's just you thought the Chargers defensively this was going to be their strength and didn't show yesterday. Yeah, and this is I could you know credit to Mike McDaniel as well who. Uh, it looked like maybe he got figured out a little bit at the end of last season, and he zigged uh, when he thought everybody or when everybody thought he was going to zag. So uh, he he had a great game plan, and Tyree Kill is just a he's a dude. Uh, at some point, it, it, you can talk all you want about trying to game plan a guy out, but Tyree Kill is an absolute nightmare matchup for everybody. And I, I don't know that it's, it's going to be special to the Chargers that they're the ones who have trouble with Tyree Kill. But 215 yards and two touchdowns mm -hmm. on 11 catches, uh, that's that's incredible. Incredible. You mentioned Herbert. Herbert looked great until the last drive, yeah. and he had a chance to go down, and uh, the Dolphins missed the extra point on the go-ahead touchdown mm -hmm. and gave the, the Chargers a chance. All they got to do is drive down, kick a game-winning field goal. Justin Herbert takes two sacks yep. on the final drive. There's that, that Vic Fangio would defense. That would do it. That was, so, the, that was the change That was the change right there at the end. Hit the blitzes the at the right times. Yep. And, and, you know, you talk about the Dolphins here. Much like the 49ers, I think a lot of people that were negative on the Dolphins was all because of the health of the quarterback. Sure. And if Tua suffers another concussion, it could be career-ending, right? Last year it did not look good, but McKenzie, last year 
Tua was top three, top four quarterback in the league before the concussion? Yeah, we do our QBR-PFF combo. He finished a top five quarterback. He was number one throughout the first 12 weeks of the season. Yeah, and off to an incredible start this season, as I mentioned, the, the fourth most passing yards in a season-opening game in NFL history. For a while, if you look at the 2020 NFL draft, he had more than love, Burrow, and Herbert combined for, for much of the afternoon. <laughs> That's wild. Um, let's go to the Sunday night game, which was over before it started. The Cowboys with a 40 to nothing win over the Giants in um, – it's, That's assault, brother. But this is the, this You're a Jets fan, right? Yeah. Officially, yeah, but, make it clear. But, but this is the thing. The Giants on their opening drive looked great. They marched right down the field and had the ball at the eight-yard line. Eight-yard line. Yeah. Bad snap from the center. There's no third down play? Nope. Right? You get you got oh, no, to. Daniel, jo- oh, Daniel Jones falls me. on it? Excuse me. It was third and two at the eight. Then a false start call on Andrew Thomas, who did not get called for a false start all of last year. Okay? Wow. So, false start on Thomas. He got paid this summer, though. So, now he's ah, yeah. relaxed. So, he gets called for Too a false relaxed. start. So, a third and two at the eight becomes a third and seven at the 13. And then the center snaps it low. And it was rainy also. Snaps it low. Daniel Jones just has to fall on it, protect the football. All right. So, now a promising drive that saw you get the ball on your own 25, march all the way down the field in six minutes or so. No, eight minutes, right? No, like how long was the drive? Yeah, seven minutes. Yeah, like, yeah seven. Drive. And, and then you're stalled at the 27-yard line. All right, guys, you know what? Great drive. Take the three. Let's take the three. We'll send out the kicking unit, and uh, this is what, you know, we'll be on the board up 3 nothing. Eh, wrong. Field goal blocked and returned for a touchdown. All right. Okay. Now you're down. They missed the extra point. You're down 6 nothing. Okay. You do nothing on your next drive, three and out. You're still only down 6 nothing. Then you hold Dallas to a field goal. You're down 9 nothing. You're still okay. On your third play after the Dallas field goal, right through Saquon Barkley's hands, pass intercepted. Actually, he was hit. Ball pops up, picked off, returned for a touchdown, it is 16 nothing before people probably got sat in their seats. Yeah. I, I mean, it was game over. Cowboys, hard, their offense had hardly been on the field, and it was 16 to yeah, nothing. At that it's, point, it's, you've had one drive. The Cowboys had one decent drive. You're down 16 0. Yeah. And, and it's not like we're sitting here looking at this game and thinking, listen, Brian Schottenheimer now calling plays for Dallas in this, in this West Coast offense. They look incredible. Uh, or, or, <laughs> no, and oh, Mike, yeah. Mike McCarthy's calling the plays in this new offense. They look great. They didn't have to do anything. No. Dak Prescott threw for 143 yards. That's it. <laughs> that's, all, that's all he had. And then he came out of the game and let Cooper Rush play. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was a, this was one of the worst Sunday night football games I can remember. It's certainly the worst opening Sunday night football game that I can remember. It was just never, never in question. And Daniel Jones was never able to get anything going, especially outside of that first drive. Uh, he made a couple bonehead decisions. You mentioned the the Barkley interception that wasn't really his fault, mm-hmm. but the other one where he's like running out of bounds and decides like, oh, I better not take the football out of bounds and just chucks it into yeah. the field of play. I mean, it was this looked like the pre Brian Dayball mm-hmm. uh, New York mm-hmm. Giants. And listen, this is it. This goes back to, and I wish I would have made a play on these Cowboys. This goes back to what we talked about with the Packers and the Bears at some point. 
there's just a there's a team that owns another team. The, the, the Packers own the Bears. The Rams own the Seahawks. The Cowboys own the New York Giants. And 11 in a row now for Dak Prescott over the Giants. It, like, why, aren't, why didn't we look at this and go, they own them. What, what, what would be different here? Divisional dogs week one. Yeah, <sighs> that's really the only stat. Yeah, divisional home dogs Couldn't play against that. One. Yeah. Yeah. And then all three of those teams that have had this, this series of dominance, Packers, Rams, Cowboys, all of them dominated once again. Right. Well, how did the divisional home dogs do in week one Sunday? Because we have another one tonight as we preview Monday Night Football between the Bills and the Jets. So division dogs were 4-2 and two straight up in ATS. Home division dogs, though, had been very profitable. Was 15-2. and two. Well, now 16-4, and 1-2 and two on Sunday. So what were the – you said 4-2 and two division dogs in yeah, general? Yeah, all division dogs were 4-2. Four, were four and, two. Mm-hmm. and that's pretty. So that's pretty good straight up, winning those games outright. Right. Yeah. And now 41 and 19 ATS. In so, what you're telling me is like a division dog round robin in week one on the money line was profitable. Yeah. Very profitable. Well, McKenzie, his whole uh, super contest sheet this week was made up of fading, you know, rookie quarterbacks. Right. Just and one trend. I feel like it was correlated. If I was right with one, I could be right with all three. And that was very profitable. And as how'd, well. you, how'd you do on your super contest card? Five and oh. Oh, looky there. Looky there. Well, we, we as a network went four and one in the super contest gold. That's true. We're going to win it this year. There's uh, 80 com- contestants. We're going to get this thing. Uh, we as a straight out of Vegas show went three and four on our golden nugget contest. But two and oh in the NFL. Oh, that makes me right. It's NFL Monday right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Two and right. on the NFL. We're not, we're not talking about college right oh, now. Oh, okay. Right? All right. All right. Wait like seven minutes. Okay. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, let's talk about Monday Night Football tonight. The Bills at the Jets. McKenzie, where was this line? Where is this line now? Uh, all summer, this line was Bills minus two. It is now Bills minus two. We've seen flurries of action in either direction, but it's settled where it, where it has been. I think this is uh, obviously you you don't want to like speak in hyperbole. But this is the most important game for the Jets right now in, in, to start their season. If you get blown out at home by the Buffalo Bills, all the, the hard knocks, goodwill, all the expectations with Aaron Rodgers and the, the weapons that they have, the top five defense that returns, people are going to sour on you very quickly. No, R-E-L-A-X. We, Aaron Rodgers no. has done this before. That was in Green Bay. Yeah, <laughs> not, not in New York, not with all these expectations. But I will say this. This could be the Jets Colorado moment. And I'm talking about Dion Colorado. It's personal. Because if the Jets win this game at home against Super Bowl contender, third favorite to win the Super Bowl, right, McKenzie? Yep. Buffalo Bills. Well, coming into the season, they were behind the 49ers and the Eagles, having done a full mock up of consensus seven sports books. But at DraftKings Sportsbooks, the 49ers are the new favorite, followed by the Eagles. Then the Chiefs, then the Bills. Yeah, so four top four favorite to win the Super Bowl. If the Jets win this game, at, and it's at home, and it's only a two-point spread, but there will be a lot of people hyped about the New York Jets, especially depending on the way if, if, if the way they win. If Aaron Rodgers has a monster game and the Jets win, you're going to have to start paying the Jets tax. Can we just do another hard knocks midseason, just bring the guys back? Do that whole like Amazon Prime, like the yeah. in all or nothing, whatever it's called, yeah. like the in season. They did an in season one last year, didn't they? Yeah, the uh, Cardinals. No one watched. That it. was watch very it. awkward because Cliff Kingsbury was on his way out. So the owner was not happy. It was it was awkward. No one watched. I don't. It, I didn't watch a single episode. of that. I watched too much of it to admit. But I, I would say that you're going to have to start paying a Jets tax if they win this game. The odds on them moving forward will be completely different. They're yeah. at the Cowboys week two. Yeah, this is uh this is a matchup that the the Bills don't. 
Josh Allen hasn't particularly played well in the, these games against the Jets. So uh, last year, especially the, the two games were were a little ugly. So um, overall, you know, Josh Allen's had some some good success against the Jets. But the la- last season, they did a good job of bottling him up and, and making him work. So uh, the second game was the game where he got hurt. If you remember, uh, hurt his elbow in that mm-hmm. game. Uh, but even in the first game, which was a, a Bills win, not not a not a great performance for him. All right, AJ, you're the Bills fan. I'm the Jets fan. Friendly wager on this game? What do you want to do? Hmm. I feel like there should be some food involved. Okay. Barbecue on the loser. Okay. Sounds like a deal. All right. But it's got to be New York-style barbecue if the Jets win, which is not very good. (laughs) Bowl of spare ribs and fried rice. That's New York-style barbecue. At a bodega. Well, I'm thinking about stepping into this barbecue bet, but I have conflicting trends to look at here. So underdogs in week one, Monday night football, all the money coming in on the favorites. Very profitable to be on the underdog. 28 and 12 and 1, 70% ATS since 1998. However, the Bills, they are 14 and 6 in week one. Sean McDermott, 4 and 2. Something to consider. I, I think I would lean Bills, but just the smallest of leans. What was that Monday Night Football? So Monday Night Football underdogs in I guess that's Week One, the first Monday Night Football game of the year, right? And he said seventy what percent? Seventy percent, seventy point oh. Damn, that's strong that in strong my favor, number. AJ. That is strong in your favor. Uh, maybe something to look at is the under. Uh, I do like the under as well. Sixty percent primetime games Week One go under. And th- their last three matchups, the the highest scoring of the three matchups totaled thirty seven points. But so how's Aaron Rodgers going to throw for five touchdowns in the game going under? He's gonna be not. tough, especially because okay. the Bills have to win. That's going to be a very difficult. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> not going to throw for five touchdowns. All right, I'm already. Uh, I already know what I want to order. <laughs> I'm going to bring you something nice and spicy. <laughs> well, now that most of week one is in the books, uh, with the exception of Monday Night Football tonight, do we have any major line moves in the week two schedule? Yeah, RJ always says you learn the most from any one week in week one, similar to college football. The Bucks went from one-and-a-half-point dogs hosting the Bears next week. They're now a three-point favorite. Mm. I think the Bucks upgrade, but maybe more of a Bears downgrade there. Uh, same thing with this next game. The Saints went from two and a half, now three-point favorite on the road in Carolina. Carolina obviously downgraded. And despite the Rams doing so well, the 49ers went from a six-point favorite to a seven-point favorite at L.A. That's interesting. And I wonder if there'll be buyback on the Rams at that price. Although San Francisco looked really good. Yeah, no doubt. But again, this goes into that historically dominant matchups. Right. And- if anything, we mm-hmm. learned from Pete Carroll and... Uh, is that Sean maybe, McVay, is that, is that maybe, those things keep up. Exactly. Maybe these coaching matchups mean something. Hey, it's RJ Bell for Rocket Money. Listen, you know, there's no locks. You know that for sure. But almost a lock is each and every one of you has things you're paying for each and every month that you don't use or aren't worth how much you're paying for them. There's a better alternative. And we have Scott Seidenberg with us to tell about one of his discoveries with Rocket Money. Yeah, discovered that I was still paying for an old editing software that I hadn't used in months. Let's be honest, it was years. And listen, be honest with yourself. Think of the things you've bought. Think about the times you've had a free trial 
and all of a sudden it auto-billed in, and it's been auto-billing. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash RJ. That's rocketmoney.com slash RJ, rocketmoney.com slash RJ. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. This is RJ Bell, and I got to tell you, this is one I feel very seriously about. You know, I'm of an interesting age in that I can remember before computers were prominent, before the Internet. And I remember my whole career has been built with the Internet. I've seen the age and time when if you had issues, when you had something you wanted to talk to a professional about, there was apprehension. And one of the things that I think we've evolved as a society in such a wonderful way is we all understand help is a good thing. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. All of your interactions with your therapist entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash RJ to get 10% off your first month. Do it today. That's betterhelp.com slash RJ. From the NFL to college football, where AJ and I will have a comprehensive breakdown of what we saw in week two and what we expect to see in week three coming up on the next edition of the College Football Podcast, found on RJ Bell's Dream Preview Podcast feed. Catch that episode Tuesday night, tomorrow night, or Wednesday morning, depending on where you are in this country and what time you check your podcast app. But let's talk about the biggest takeaways from week two. Two games in particular, AJ. First off, a top 10, top 25 matchup that will be a top 10 matchup, but it was number 11 versus number three. Texas beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa 34-24 in uh, was, I guess we can call it Sarkeesian's revenge. Yeah, this was a, uh, this was a game that Sark lost by a point last year in Austin and Felt like he had he did a really good job. Felt like he was on things against Saban and just couldn't quite finish. In this game, he finished. And it looked like Alabama was going to get back in it. And Texas said, not so fast, my friend. Just a dominant fourth quarter for the Longhorns. Uh, Quinn Ewers played about as – remember, he got knocked out of the game last year. He played about as well as you could ask a guy to play on the road. 349 yards, three touchdowns at Alabama. Obviously, a pretty tough place to play. Uh, defense stepped up. I mean, this was this was a dominant performance. And I said, this Longhorn team has the talent to to hang with Alabama here. It's all about putting it together. They certainly put it together in this game. Yeah, and I was on Alabama's win total under this season, 10.5. That looks great. Looking good. Looks yeah. great right now with, with this loss. But we when we talked about the win totals for Alabama, we talked about this game in particular. Yeah. And even though they were a seven-point favorite, we said this is a game that can go either way. And it's almost like a make or break for this win total. And Alabama losing this game now, I just I, – I don't see them running the table. I don't. Uh, they have the game against Tennessee is going to be tough. Um, even at Texas A&M is going to be tough. There's a chance that Alabama is not the representative from the West – in the SEC. Now, this game is not a conference game. It doesn't count towards their conference standings. But what you saw in this game was that Alabama doesn't have the squad that they had last year or the year before or the year before. And Jalen Milrow is not Bryce Young or Mac Jones or Jalen Hurts. And there's some growing pains here with Alabama. 
Yeah, he's certainly not those guys yet. Um, This is, I I agree with you, this is not the dominant force we've seen over the last couple years. I I don't know if they're going to win the SEC West or not. I I mean, LSU looks good, Ole Miss looks good, um, but they're they're still still hard to bet against, certainly. But I I don't see how you could think they're going to beat Georgia this year. Like, if if you're outgunned against Texas, you're certainly going to be outgunned against Georgia. This was a a real sort of a set the bar for Alabama. What are they this year? And I think this this let us know this is not – a, a dominant Alabama team like we've seen the past several years. This is a this is a good team. It's it's not a great team. The other marquee game was in Boulder, where Colorado. The it's wild that that is now a marquee yeah. game. Well, big noon kickoff was 1994, there. Colorado, Nebraska. <laughs> the game of the week. This was the right. second largest win for Colorado over Nebraska, by the way, 36 to 14, as the Buffs win and hold serve on their home turf. Shador Sanders, 393 passing yards, two touchdowns, as Colorado looks every bit the part. Now, AJ, I know you're going to say they got lucky a couple of times, some bad, you know, Jeff Sims with an interception, whatever, but Colorado's got athletes on both sides of the football, and I just don't know how a team, uh, some teams that are undermanned can compete with the speed that they have uh, not just on offense, but on defense. Well, you're right in some way. Like Colorado, what they did get some fortunate calls early in the game. The game was, it was there was no score in this game for a, what felt like forever. It mm-hmm. felt like this was going to be like a, you know, a ten seven type game. Uh, but first score comes with four twenty to go in the second quarter. That was a field goal, uh, and then of course they go into the locker room with a thirteen nothing lead. So they score three times in four minutes and. It, it kind of that's about what the story of the game was. Colorado was in control from that point forward. And I, I don't think it's like, you know, I don't think Nebraska is better than them. Colorado is they this was a statement game. Certainly. The question is, how's this going to play in Pac-12 play? Uh, how's this going to play at Oregon? How's mm-hmm. this going to play against USC? And, you know, it depends on what your expectations are. And if you think Colorado is going to end up being a top 10 team in the country, you may you may be in for a rude awakening in those games. But right now they're playing teams that they just have more talent than. And it hasn't like the prime coach Dion has them put they've he's got them prepared mm-hmm. better than I thought they would be prepared, considering none of these guys have played together before. And so against teams that don't have knock you off the field talent in TCU and Nebraska, mm-hmm. they've they've been great. And yeah. and they'll face another undermanned squad no doubt. next week when they take on Colorado State and I believe they are a 23-and-a-half-point wow. favorite up, open to yep. 21. in this game. And, and look, I, I think you're going to get used to that. They're, they're yeah, going to take right. money almost every week, I think. But this is yeah. what I said, and, and part of the argument when I gave this play out on the on the podcast and, and to clients is when you handicap week one of a college football season, a lot of the information is just going off what we know about that team from last year and what we know about those players that may be coming in, and what the expectations are. All that goes out the window after week one. Because now we have a data point. Yeah. And the data point on Colorado after week one was, this is a team that scored 45 points on the road at TCU. So they've gone from 80-1 to to 18-1 to to win the Pac-12. They're still the sixth favorite. Have you guys seen the updated win total for the Colorado Buffaloes? No, I'd love to hear it. Seven and a half? 
Not that high. Over, under, six and a half, mm. juice to the over, minus 130. Wow. Man, how times have changed. Like, it's literally I, doubled in two games. I'll be honest. So I, I, I go back to the beginning of the season and, and like this offseason, and I was like, man, I, sh- I should play under five and a half wins. I didn't play it. Next thing I know, it was five, then four and a half. And I was like, oh, my God. Why didn't I play it at five? Discipline, it, though. You didn't chase it. I, I didn't chase, but in hindsight, it's like, man, I would have loved to have a bet in it under five and a half wins, and had I got that in, I'd be kicking myself right now going, oh, this isn't this is not how's, looking how, good. How's Arizona State this year? <laughs> not good. <laughs> um, Shador Sanders now 20-1 to 1 to win the Heisman Trophy. He is the seventh favorite to win the Heisman Trophy, and that ha- has come a long way from where his odds were to start the season, where he was a hundred to one and and even beyond. Let's talk about this for a second. What what now would be considered a successful season for Colorado? Because it feels like now is that is that still the measure? A seven a, an above five hundred record. Okay, and a bowl game. So seven wins. Yes, seven wins and a bowl game. Because it's starting to feel like some people are having expectations that are beyond that. Well, no. yeah, Coach Prime said he, we're. As good as anybody, top ten team in the. I don't know if he said that exactly, but he seems to be giving those vibes. Is don't think we're worse than anybody. Eighteen to one to win the Pac-12. And when I well, when I look at their Pac-12 schedule, I see at Arizona State, home Stanford, home Arizona. Those are wins. Mm -hmm. Colorado is better than those teams. We saw Oregon disappoint. Any chance they could give them a run for their money, Colorado? Uh, Oregon, I don't know. That's that's, going to be a real test. But Oregon technically didn't disappoint. They covered the spread somehow. Oh, really? Uh, Pick six. Yeah, so. uh, Midway through the fourth, they were. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't looking good. But, yeah, they did get the job done. And what I I thought it was a trappy line, and I think it ended up being a trappy line. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're lucky if you bet Oregon. But, yeah, I think that that is when we're going to really find something out. That two-week stretch at Oregon, home against USC, we'll learn more about Colorado than we have in, in, the, in the first three weeks. Well, plenty more discussion on the Buffaloes and the rest of the week three college football slate coming up on the next episode of the College Football Podcast, R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Uh, myself and A.J. Hoffman recording that Tuesday evening, so you're either going to get it tomorrow night or you'll get it Wednesday morning. Major League Baseball yesterday, the Yankees did something that, I mean, I don't know if it's ever been done before, but it was pretty crazy when I saw this. They were getting no hit into the 11th inning, and then they won the game. They won the game. Yeah. 4-3 winners over the Brewers in 13 innings, the Yankees yesterday. Corbin Burns threw eight no-hit innings, seven strikeouts, two walks. Uh, Garrett Cole pitched the gem as well, seven innings, only three hits with nine strikeouts. And then a couple of relievers combined to also no-hit the Yankees until the 11th inning. And uh, it it was a a Giancarlo Stanton home run that tied the game in the bottom of the 12th, and then the Yankees walked it off on Kyle Higashioka's hit in the 13th inning. So the Bombers winning 4-3, too little too late. Remember a couple days ago I talked about them winning five straight games and Having a chance at the postseason. Yeah, you said talk to me then. Uh, can we talk to him, AJ? Yeah. Or can well, we address? Are you ready, are you ready to talk about this? this? Well, they dropped three straight before winning yesterday. So I mean, it's yeah. completely done now. And Jason Dominguez, the the prized young stud, has uh, torn his UCL and is going to have Tommy John surgery. So he's out nine to ten months. Won't even see him next year. But that that's a that is a big blow because he was probably going to be a, a starter in the Yankee outfield next year. 
Not not anymore, Fred. Not anymore is correct. Let's take a look at the schedule for today, which includes a double header in Philadelphia, the Braves and the Phillies. And I will give you my double header caution to like I do every time. Make sure you list pitchers because when these lines come out, the pitching matchups are expected. Fluid. But they are very fluid. Like, we expect it to be Taiwan Walker and Charlie Morton in game one. And if that's the case, the Braves are a minus 142 favorite on the DraftKings Sportsbook. But those could change if they decide to uh, switch up their pitching plans for today's doubleheader. Uh, Michael Lorenzen should go game two for the Phillies and don't know what the Braves are going to do in that one uh, for the game two. But we'll see. First game starting 105 Eastern time from Philly. Then tonight we have the Orioles hosting the Cardinals. Dean Kramer on the mound for Baltimore. Dakota Hudson going for the Cardinals. And the Orioles are minus 166 favorites. The Nationals are at the Pirates. Patrick Corbin scheduled to go for the Nats. No announced pitcher yet for the Pirates. But Patrick Corbin, a a very Very nice fade. Rangers at the Blue Jays. Dane Dunning for Texas. Chris Bassett goes for Toronto. The Blue Jays minus 142 at home in this one. Chris Bassett at home, usually a pretty solid play. Chris Bassett at home. I'll give you the splits here. He is uh, 7-3 at home with a 2.8 ERA. An opponent's batting just 185 against him. We like Chris Bassett at home. And the Rangers just, they won two straight. Granted, it was over the A's, but they continue to struggle. Not good for Texas. Uh, Elsewhere, moving along in the schedule for tonight, the Yankees are at the Red Sox. Cutter Crawford for Boston. Clark Schmidt for New York. Red Sox are minus 130. Diamondbacks at the Mets. Zach Davies for Arizona. Jose Quintana goes for the Mets. New York, minus 142 in this one. You have the Rays at the Twins. Good pitching matchup in this one. Tyler Glass now for the Rays. Sonny Gray. For the Twins, the Rays are minus 125, total of eight in this one. Marlins are at the Brewers. Jesus Lazardo for Miami, Brandon Woodruff for Milwaukee. Brewers are minus 155. A's are at the Astros. Framber Valdez for Houston. Mason Miller, hey, that guy, for Oakland. The Astros are minus 305. That's a high line. It is a massive number. They've built a nice little three-game cushion in the division, but Mason Miller's really good. Uh, I don't know how deep into the game he'll go, but he, when he pitches, he's as good as anyone we've seen this year. It's just you don't, you know, he's come back from this injury. You never mm-hmm. know how long he's going to go. You don't want to get into a bullpen. Maybe a first five under in this game? Or maybe take the half a run in the first five innings it with the A's. Too. Or take the run and a half with the A's in the game. They're, you can still get plus 114 on the plus a run and a half. On the A's in this one. The Cubs are at the Rockies. Jordan Wicks going for Chicago. Kyle Freeland for Colorado. The Cubbies are minus 185. And the Rockies would be uh, a team that, you know, I like to probably pick against. This was a Sunday night game that they played in San Francisco. And so we uh, fade them here traveling back home. It's not a bad travel, but still, I mean, why not just always fade them anyway? Uh, the Angels are at the Mariners. Logan Gilbert goes for the Mariners. Reed Detmers for the Angels. Mariners minus 225. Guardians at the Giants. Alex Cobb for San Francisco. Gavin Williams for Cleveland. Giants minus 142. And the Padres are at the Dodgers. Gavin Stone for L.A. Pedro Avila for San Diego. 
Dodgers, minus 170. Those odds brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook. One of the bigger upsets of the year took place on Saturday. UFC 293, Sean Strickland, who closed as a 5-1 to one underdog, got the job done. Unanimous decision win over Israel Adesanya, 49-46, three times becoming the UFC's middleweight champion. Uh, Dana White has said that he's not opposed to an immediate rematch for Adesanya. But remember, Israel Adesanya has now lost two of his last three fights. Uh, because he lost to Alex Pereira, then won a rematch against Alex Pereira, and now has lost to Sean Strickland. Mm. Uh, there are guys in the weights. Uh, Dricus de, uh, Duplessis is uh, waiting for a, a title shot. And I, I think the, the middleweight division is finally open again after a, a long run of dominance for Israel Adesanya, who has never been an underdog in the UFC, which I thought was a, a striking number. Wow. That's wild. But, yeah, he, he dropped Adesanya in the first round, swarmed him, almost finished him in the first round. Adesanya came back and had a good second round, and he just seemed like he shut down. He uh, Dana White said as much, looked like he was in slow motion for a lot of the fight, just uh, did not look himself, certainly, the, the normal dynamic uh, Israel Adesanya that we usually see. So a new champion in the UFC. And what's up on deck for the UFC? Yeah, the the world tour comes to an end this weekend, and they're back in Las Vegas. They've been in Singapore. They've been in France. Uh, they've been in Australia for the last three events. Uh, they're coming back to T-Mobile. Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko expected to headline the event. Uh, they fought once at UFC 285. Grasso won that fight. Uh, so they will be fighting for the UFC flyweight championship. Uh, Kevin Holland and Jack Della Maddalena uh, on that card as well. So it's a, uh, a it's not a pay per view card. So it's a fight night card. You'll be able to watch it for free. But some solid fights, including a title fight on that card. The FIBA World Cup concludes with Germany winning the title, beating Serbia 83-77, and. Canada in overtime defeating the United States in the gold in the bronze medal. Excuse me, I'm, I'm so used to saying Team USA in the gold medal. Not the today. Bronze medal, third place game. Canada wins 127, 118 as the United States fails to medal at consecutive FIBA World Cups for the first time since 1970. Wow. Mackenzie, what did you make of this performance by the United States? Very bad. Very embarrassing for a lot of NBA players that were talking about how we're clearly the world champions of the world. Uh, a lot of blame to go around. Jaron Jackson Jr. was asked, how do you feel about only averaging 2.9 rebounds? His response was, well, I'm sick. I'm not playing the uh, bronze medal, <laughs> apparently, because, I mean, he, he did look pretty dejected after the reporter asked him that question. And lack of size was the problem. Uh, they put in Walker Kessler in the lineup, and it just didn't work. No defense, 127 points. They're back-to-back last games were the worst defensive performances they did in any of their games together. Uh, that is not a good sign, and a lot of people have been pointing the finger at Steve Kerr for not knowing how to get these guys in the right position. How much is of a negative vibe are they going to walk out of this thing with, or is it this isn't the team that's going to play in the Olympics? They know that. Yeah. Like, the but- odds might have gone up for the USA to win uh, the Paris Olympics, because a lot of these guys won't be there. And a lot of uh, other players that missed out, Steph Curry, LeBron James types, maybe not them specifically, I think will be motivated to uh, claim their spot and and kick some of these guys to the curb. It, it could be. and then, But, you know, listen, some of these other countries might have some confidence now, especially a Canada team led by SGA that played pretty pretty good basketball this entire tournament. 
yeah, the world is a lot flatter. I mean, there were Germany didn't have a lot of NBA players. They had two NBA players, but they had a lot of guys good enough mm-hmm. to play with these guys. Uh, Barcelona, the club team, their third best players, Jabari Parker, formerly of the NBA, he was a 20 points per game guy at one point. Like, there's a lot of talent in these other parts of the world that we don't even get a chance to see on a regular basis. Yeah, it's wild. We'll see what happens uh, when the Olympics come around and what that roster looks like for Team USA. Uh, speaking of USA, an American woman won the U.S. Open this weekend. Yes, Coco Goff pulled it out. She won the U.S. Open. An American male did not. <laughs> no surprise, Novak Djokovic won the U.S. Open, defeating Daniil Medvedev, the uh, last American that was left, was um, the youngster, Ben Shelton, who got beat by Novak Djokovic, and Medvedev defeated Carlos Alcaraz, and then we saw uh, Joker win his 24th uh, Grand Slam title. Just the dude. Just we talked about Medvedev and like how he wasn't getting any respect going into the semifinals. I think he was still eleven to one mm-hmm. going into the semifinals, and but then we were like, well, he's got to beat both of those guys, mm-hmm. and he actually handled Carlos Alcaraz, yeah. but. Uh, beating both those guys back-to-back matches just ends up being too much of a task. Fourth time in Djokovic's career that he has won three or more, you know, three majors in, in one year. That's insane. Yeah. I think there's five is the most it's been done. He's in incredible. This is, I mean, and he only lost Wimbledon to Alcaraz in, like, the, the last set. Yeah. Right. So, uh, it's certainly, he, the dude's incredible. We, I don't think we've seen anybody dominate their sport like he has done. So, he's won four of the last five. He's now too clear of anybody else with 24. Uh, this is a question we used to ask with Tiger Woods. How far does he go? Does he go 30? Does he go 35? I th- he, it kind of depends on how long he wants to play for. Sure. Uh, but like we saw, your score. we saw Federer slowing down. Like we saw his injuries start to nag him and him missing these tournaments. Like Djokovic is just there. He's steady. He's always, he always plays unless the country doesn't allow <laughs> him to play. And uh, he always performs. So uh, I, I think he's still. I'd argue he's still in his prime, and I still think, you know, man for man, he's a better player today than Carlos Alcaraz is. And I get that Carlos Alcaraz is the the future of tennis, but right now the, the future is still the present, and well, that's, that's Novak Djokovic. We have uh, let's see, it's September now, so I'll count. You just look at your watch to October, make sure it was September, <laughs> November, December. That's three months. Yeah. January is like four months. So January 15th is the start of the Australian Open. So I'm going to call that four months away. Okay. Novak Djokovic plus 125 to win the Australian Open. Carlos Alcaraz, your second favorite at plus 225. Daniil Medvedev, 5-1. to one. I feel like we should just invest in Djokovic, and we're going to be able to play back at some point. Like the, every tournament, we've, we, the last six, we, we will be able to do that. Maybe that's the strategy moving forward. Yeah, the the Australian Open, also known as the Djokovic Open, ah, uh, Joker Open. I've heard it. He has he has won this thing ten times, dating back to his first win in two thousand eight. So that some quick math. That's about fifteen years. He's won ten times, and I know one of those he wasn't allowed to right. play. So uh, more often than not, it seems like it's it's his tournament. So um, getting a little better than even money. Mm. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, you know what else sounds good to me? Saving money at pregame.com. And you guys can not just save money, but you can get something for nothing at pregame.com. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. Right now, we are running a special 
for our listeners and our listeners only. I like that. If you go to pregame.com and you use our promo code BILLS25, dollar dollar bills, y'all, BILLS25, B-I-L-S-25. Where of the Monday night football game. Got it. I remember. No. Loser of the Monday Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. BILLS25. You can get $25 off at pregame.com. Now you're saying, what is 20? That's not something for nothing. That means I got to spend money and I'll just get $25 off, like whatever. But no, 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 no. Most daily best bet packages at pregame.com are priced at $25 or less. So that means you could log on to the website right now as you're listening to this podcast. Choose a best bet. Maybe it's a best bet for a three-star for tonight's game. Maybe it's something looking forward to later this week. And it's $25. You type in that promo code, Bills25, and it's... That was my magician sound, like (laughs) making something disappear. Free. It's $25 off. And if you if you pick something that's $25, then you get something for nothing at pregame.com. And generally, all best bets outside of game of the years are 25 or less. Game of the years are usually 30. You know what that means? You can get a game of the year for five bucks. No, don't be greedy, McKenzie. <laughs> all right, all right? Something for nothing. We're trying to give people stuff for free. No, no, no. It's a good point, though. You can save a ton of money. You can, listen, you can use that 25 hours however you want. You want to get a, a, a weekly package and get $25 off, a weekly seven-day all-access, go right ahead. You want to wait till next weekend? Actually, don't because this expires soon. But if you want to get a weekend or all-access package, yeah, go right ahead. Take $25 off of that. Or a three-star best bet for free. That sounds good to me. So go to pregame.com, use the promo code BILLS25, and get $25 off for you, the listeners of this podcast. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of it. Hey, yeah.